From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. My regular co-host, Jennifer Shutt, is on assignment today, but I'm lucky to have as guest co-host Peter Cohn, the budget and tax policy editor at CQ Roll Call, who knows more about this stuff than virtually anybody. So thanks for being here, Pete. Well, you just completely oversold it, but thanks, David. Great to be back here. Uh, it's been a while, and I, I always look forward to my, uh, my, my guest appearances with you. Well, we appreciate having you. And this is a big week for us in budget world because uh, the pandemic relief package is really starting to take shape now on Capitol Hill, even though we have an impeachment trial about to start. Um, the House Democrats began refashioning Biden's $1.9 trillion relief plan uh, with actual legislation that, that's been coming out of committees as they get ready to hold several markups this week uh, to get this thing going pretty quickly under the budget reconciliation process that's going to avoid any GOP filibuster threat. And we're starting to see, Pete, some real, some real changes. In, they're basically following Biden's framework for a $1.9 trillion aid deal, but we're starting to see House Democrats tweak it a bit, add some things. Uh, we saw restaurant aid getting added. We saw transportation industry funding getting boosted. And of course, some changes to these tax rebate checks that everybody's looking at. What struck you as one of the more important changes there, Pete? Well, yeah, a couple of things. You know, there's an old saying, the president proposes and the Congress disposes, right? This, this is like when the president puts his budget out and it ends up going through the ringer on Capitol Hill and it comes out the other side looking different. It just, you know, this is just the, the natural um, process that we've seen time and time again. So, you know, this time you have certainly the restaurant aid jumped out. There was no specific restaurant aid in uh, in President Biden's proposal that he put out on January 14th, the original one point, just, just south of 1.9 trillion that he put out. Um, the, you know, tweaking of the income um, eligibility thresholds for the uh, for the rebate checks was a really important change. You need that because the the way the original checks were structured, uh, it actually doesn't save that much money the way they've they've changed it. But about forty billion dollars off of the four hundred sixty four billion dollar cost. But you can you can the way they've done it is they can avoid saying that anybody making more than two hundred thousand dollars is going to be receiving one of these payments, and that was a really big deal because you need. Senator Joe Manchin's vote in the Senate. You have a 50-50 Senate. Reconciliation, David, as you said, you can still get through with a simple majority. You don't need the usual 60 votes. But um, with 50 members you know, caucusing with the Democrats, you can't lose anybody on their side because you can't count on any Republicans. So Joe Manchin, extremely important. He's been a maverick on their side all along. Uh, he's very centrist. Pre- pre- you know, former President Trump won West Virginia. Manchin's home state by almost 40 points. So Manchin's got a real kind of, you know, fine line. He's got to walk. And, uh, you know, he agreed with a lot of the Republicans who were trying to negotiate a bipartisan deal with President Biden, which didn't happen. But uh, there was a real sense on both sides of the aisle, led by Manchin on the Democratic side, that you can't have people making two, $300,000 getting these rebate checks. So that was a really, really important change on their side. And then airline aid, I'll just last thing I'll say, airline aid was really important. 
There was no specific airline aid in the original uh, Biden proposal. And you have a lot of uh, major carriers who are now saying that furloughs are going to come back in the thousands starting on April 1st if they don't add that that aid. So they put a 15 billion into the airlines. And, you know, those are two probably some of the bigger changes that we saw. There's a number of other minor more minor proposals. Oh, one other one I'll just mention, that's uh, relief for union pension plans, um, these so-called multi-employer union pension plans that are all really on the verge of going insolvent over the next five, six years. And so they put in, they've been trying to get this done for years. And with the stock market, um, you know, having come back now, but for a while it was really depressed, interest rates really low. A lot of these companies were having a lot of trouble funding these union pension plans because their assets had just shrunk so dramatically. Yeah, I mean, on the on the rebate checks, I mean, that is a big change, right? Because because under Biden's plan, the criticism was, and he was getting some criticism from both parties, really, that there was concern that families making as much as three hundred thousand dollars could still get some of these rebate checks, and they didn't really need the money. Uh, now, do you think this has fixed it, or do you think this is still a work in progress? Because now, now basically, if you make more than two hundred thousand dollars, you don't get any money, right? Yeah, they put in a really, really, a much steeper cliff. So now the, the original th- uh, income thresholds were $75,000 if you're an individual filer, $150,000 if you're married fi- filing jointly. And the amount of the check you would get or direct deposit, uh, if you're so lucky, would scale out, uh, phase out at a rate of about f- of five cents on the dollar. So because they're now $1,400 per person in your family, that's a, a huge amount of money that would be coming to you. Um, say you have, you know, <laughs> for big families with a lot, you know, six, six person family, for instance, and you make $300,000, you're still getting a substantial amount of money from the federal government. And so for people like Manchin, for people like Susan Collins, although it doesn't look like she's going to support the package anyway, um, they needed to see that that would be tailored that would be significantly uh, scaled back. So now the way they have it is the, the payments completely phase out over kind of over a, a small range. So if you're uh, the, the thresholds are still, the phase out thresholds are still 75 and 150. But if you're an individual, once you hit a hundred thousand dollars in adjusted gross income, that's it. it. It goes to zero. And same thing. If you're, if you're married, finally jointly, uh, over that 150 between 150 and 200 thousand dollars, that payment slides down to zero. So they've just cut it off completely now at 200 thousand for uh, joint filers and 100 thousand for uh, individual filers. Whereas that that was not the case before before because the phase out was sort of so gradual that you would still be getting you know especially with large families you'd still be getting a substantial amount of money. Right. And then the other big surprise for me was the restaurant aid because, uh, you know, the restaurant industry has just been battered by this pandemic with so many restaurants closing and, and Biden's plan had really nothing in it for them. They, they could apply as part of a small business for a PPP loan, but many restaurants says that just wasn't working well for them and it was, it was too small and too temporary. And there was nothing in it. And all of a sudden, we see $25 billion show up in the House Small Business Committee on Monday to, to give them direct aid, these grant monies. Um, 
which is what they've been shooting for. I mean, restaurants have been pushing for their own little fund last year, you might remember, as much as $120 billion they wanted. And that legislation had broad bipartisan support, but it just never got anywhere. Uh, leadership wasn't going to take it up. And so now we're seeing some action there. $25 billion uh, for restaurants is, is sort of a big deal. And then the other big issue we wanted to get to, Pete, is the minimum wage. Um, because, you know, Biden, as part of his package, wants to more than double the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Uh, there's been a lot of pushback, of course, from Republicans who say that'll cost jobs, but, but even some Democrats have been queasy about it and saying, like, like Joe Manchin, saying $15 may go too high in a state like West Virginia. And the Congressional Budget Office this week gave a revised estimate of this plan, and it turns out this is costing big money. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the context of a $1.9 trillion package, you know, $54 billion or if you want to, $77 billion, which is what would count for under the reconciliation rules, not a huge amount of money. Uh, I think it was maybe a little bit unexpected uh, how much this would cost. I think there was a, a hope among the, the backers of this policy that it might actually save money because you're increasing taxable wages so much, so you're collecting more revenue, but they found that the jobless increase would, would outweigh that. But, you know, anyway, I think. Um, the bottom line is you, you do have some you, mansion, for instance, has been clear that he thinks $15 is too high. Now it would phase in over a five year period, but, um, you know, even getting, you know, within two years, it'll be at 11. And that's kind of where mansion wants to keep it because, uh, otherwise employers in, in his home state just are, you know, simply aren't going to be able to afford it. So you have that problem. Then you have the bird rule problem, which you, you alluded to, and that's the procedural rules in the Senate named for the late Senator Robert C. Byrd. And, you know, basically the, 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 the original intent of the Byrd rule was to say, uh, you cannot put things in a reconciliation bill. You cannot use this process to circumvent a filibuster, the regular order, uh, by just loading it into a reconciliation bill. Anything that you want to do, they can't pass otherwise. So basically, you can't put in policies that are not tied to, to the federal budget in some uh, in some very, very meaningful way. Now, you can argue that this, and Bernie Sanders argued this yesterday, chairman of the Budget Committee in the Senate. He said, look, this obviously has a huge budgetary impact. So, um, you know, that that's one of the main thing, reasons for doing this, right, is because you have a $54 billion budgetary impact. But the problem with that is there's a, a strong likelihood, and, and Speaker Pelosi has alluded to this, President Biden has alluded to this, who was, in, who was a longtime senator, he's familiar with the rules, um, that this would be merely incidental, so-called, you know, quote-unquote, merely incidental to the budgetary impact. And that's when the parliamentarian says, okay, this may have a budgetary impact, but that's not really the reason that you're doing it. The reason you're doing it is to impose a mandate on, on business or to you know, alleviate income inequality, lift people out of poverty, whatever, whatever, you know, however uh, justified you think the purpose is, your real intent is not to change budgetary targets in, in some way. So that's really the main issue with the minimum wage in this. And I think, you know, if Joe Manchin, if, if the Democrats in the Senate were united on this and they had the votes going in, you may see a push to really kind of stretch the, the boundaries of the bird rule in the Senate, including doing some very um, 
you know, some things they have not been willing to do in the past, like overrule the parliamentarian. You know, that's been talked about a lot. But if they don't have Manchin going in on this policy, then they've probably decided it's not worth taking that very drastic step, which really could change the nature of this entire process and the way the Senate works. Yeah. And Biden did say that he does not think this is going to survive in his package because of the procedural problem in the Senate. So chances are this does get dropped out of the package at some point and they'll have to they'll have to negotiate separate legislation if Biden really wants the minimum wage boosted. But it is going to I think it is going to be with us for a little while here as they debate this thing. And and Bernie Sanders did say he's going to make a fight for this. He thinks it has a big budgetary impact and and that and that's he's going to use this this new congressional budget office report as ammunition saying this thing costs 54 billion dollars over a decade that's real money and so it has a budgetary impact and and it deserves to be part of this we're going to see it was a striking figure Pete because because just a little over a year ago the CBO came out and suggested this measure has has almost no budgetary impact and now they came up with a, a pretty hefty figure and that's because we should say, I mean, first of all, they had to account for the changed economic forecast from the pandemic that takes a toll, and that they did a much broader assessment here of, of the impact by, by trying to measure the behavioral impact this has on, on, on the economy when you, when you boost the minimum wage that they didn't do the last go-around. And so all of a sudden, they're coming up with all this extra federal spending that it would have, they say has to occur if you boost the minimum wage, like extra spending on Medicaid and Social Security and a bunch of things uh, that have an impact. So that's a real battle that I don't, I have a feeling Sanders is on the losing side. I guess you'll agree, but we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, you know, so Sanders hired Bill Douster, who is a longtime Senate aide. Uh, He's extremely well-versed in budget rules and the budget process. He's worked for the Budget Committee for many years. He's now back working for the Budget Committee. He worked for the Senate Finance Committee. He worked for uh, Harry Reid, the former majority leader. He's written volumes about the way the budget process works. And he's made very, you know, he, he's published uh, in, in our pages in, in, uh, in, in CQ Roll Call. He's published his own work uh, making the case that minimum wage should be allowed in, in reconciliation. And he's also said, you know, if it's not allowed, if the parliamentarian says no, then we should ignore the the uh, advice of the parliamentarian and so you know they're going to be definitely you know sanders is not backing down at this point but um again it, it doesn't matter if it passes parliament parliamentary muster if you don't have the vote so if you're the democratic leadership do you really want to take on this very chain you know fundamental change in, in the way the process works if you don't have the votes going in is it worth it so that's going to be the question and so we will be watching all of this. We're, we're in for a busy week because there's about nine House committees that are going to mark up their pieces of this package uh, to send it on for, for the full House to, to take up. And the Senate will have to do its thing as well once they get through with this impeachment trial. A lot going on as this package comes together. They want to get a package done by no later than the middle of March when unemployment benefits are set to run out. And we will be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, 
a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.